Good morning. It has been a, an interesting morning already. If you have kids, you know that already, right? Challenges abound, and yet um, God is good, right? And he is good all the time. And uh, we're going to rest in that, even as we look at what looks like a very dark week. I'm going to put this on the screen. We're going we're to try a little extra tech today. Um, I'm going to throw this up on the screen. for. This is what Ken was referring to. This is my typing, not his. If you're looking for some of those places to give, I'm going to ask Nikki just to leave this on the, or on, on the screen back there. Um, just hit ATV, and it'll come up. And uh, what this will do is give you some of the websites and things like that. So you like my typing? You like, it's, it's pretty nice there, right? All right, that's called, that's called uh, winging it, all right? <laughs> so we'll be winging a few more things this morning. But you know what? It, that's all good because that's how we roll. Sometimes we have to do that. And it's not because we're not trying to do things with excellence. It's because we roll with at whatever God deals us, okay? And that's what they're doing in Afghanistan right now, okay? What you're seeing, remember last week when we talked about the whore, Babylon? That's what we're seeing on a smaller scale than what is to come in Afghanistan, okay? I listened to an interview this week. Um, by Jenny Allen on the podcast Made For You. Apparently, this is a really popular 10 million downloads in two years. That sounds like a pretty big podcast to me. Um, And I've never heard of it until this week. The interview is powerful because she talked to a pastor, Pastor X, we don't know who he is, about his story and his wife's story and how that has impacted um, another Middle Eastern nation where the, fast, where the church is growing faster than anywhere else in the world. Afghanistan is the number two fastest growing church in, America, in the world. Now, I, I didn't know that. That's news to me. And both of these countries are in the Middle East, and both of these countries are where there's intense persecution happening against the church. Okay? They are experiencing Babylon, but not even in full force. So when we read chapter 18, and we, we read about the fall of this Babylon... We should be cheering the justice of God because that is what is to come. And this is the phrase that I threw out on a prayer call this, morning, this week. And didn't, I didn't plan it. I had not heard it anywhere. It just kind of came to mind. It's probably not a phrase that's un- in some form or fashion. But the future is bright even though the is dark. And that's a word for those in Afghanistan. used to always say, if you can't preach it, this was back in the 90s, if you can't preach it in Sarajevo, don't preach it in your church here. And I would Haiti or Afghanistan, then we have no business preaching it anywhere. Okay, And, and maybe um, we pastors in America would take note from that and make sure that what we're preaching is the gospel and that it works wherever, under whatever circumstances we find ourselves. Um, but my, I want to encourage you to give through one of these. If, if you just want to give and you want us to sort it out, you feel free to give at, at gracetoday.net. Feel free to do that. And if you want to make a note of some kind, just text us or email us and tell us this is what we would like to do with that. But ideally, go direct. Um, there's one other organization. I'm sorry, I don't remember the website. The name of the organization is Global Catalytic Ministries. Global Catalytic Ministries. And the reason I share that one is because what they're going to do is they're going to drop supplies in behind the lines in the mountains of Afghanistan where the church that's staying is fleeing to. 
Now, we know there's good hiding places in the mountains because the Afghanistan Taliban have been hiding there for 30 years, whether it was U.S. troops or Soviet Union troops they were hiding from. And those mountains have got lots of caves and lots of places to hide. But there are no Walmarts. There are no Motel 6s. There are no sleeping bags. There are no beanie weenies or ramen noodles, okay? And so, and, and the weather gets really, really hot and really, really cold. People are fleeing to the hills with the clothes on their back, okay? And here's why. Because if they name, the Taliban's coming. If they find you, if they just decide to question you and they're they'll execute you on the spot. If you're a Christian and you have a 15-year-old daughter or younger, you're supposed to put an X on the door. And of course, if you resist that, it's only worse for you and your family. So you can, ima- you can understand why people are running and leaving and fleeing. You can understand, too, why pastors in Pakistan working through ministries like Global Catalytic Ministries, are going into the country to rescue some of those families. Um, Cross-connecting, they're also doing that where they're actually He leads that of hope um, was pushed, uh, encouraged us to do that through someone here locally um, through Cypress Project. So there, there's lots of great ministries out there. Vet them, take, take your time, make sure you're, you're getting good information. But here's the thing. We need to pray first and foremost for those people. And we've prayed and, and there's a good chance if we're not careful that we'll go to lunch and we'll forget all this and not think about those Christians anymore. We need to pray for them. Okay? We need to pray for them. Whenever we stop to pray, in the near future especially, we need to think about the women and children in particular that are fleeing under these circumstances and are terrified that the peace of God would flood their hearts. Because like, like Ken said, they're not all praying to be, to be rescued from that. They're praying that they would be faithful in the midst of that. Let me tell you another story I heard on this. was on that interview as well. Um, they, they were asking this well, this is in the course of last week. So there was, I think it was a woman, a Zoom Bible study in Afghanistan. I didn't know they had the internet. Okay. <laughs> They're leading a Zoom Bible study. This happens. They scatter. And so one of these folks gets a, a, a phone call or a Zoom call or something from this leader. And they're going, you run to the mountains and you're still doing your Zoom call? She's like, yes, we got to reach more people for Jesus. They're running to the mountains and they're still reaching out, thinking of somebody besides themselves. Do you see, so you see the mindset of a disciple of Jesus Christ? It's not about me. To live for Christ is to say I'm willing to die for Christ. So when we look at this lament of the world over Babylon fallen, we're going to realize this is the Taliban, but this is also Americans who are, whose, whose religion is consume and get more, and it's all about me. Okay? The spirit of Babylon is whatever political, social, economic, and religious mindset I need as long as it feeds me. 
You can use me as long as I can use you. That's Babylon in action. So when God judges Babylon, the whore, it is called in Scripture, it is appropriate for us to rejoice and praise and worship a God who will not let things like that go unpunished because he is righteous and just and he will punish. He doesn't always do it as quick as we want. He doesn't always do it the way we want, but he does it and he is faithful to do but sometimes he delays or he does it in a different way. Why? Because he's now, there's no church, official church there because was it a few years ago the church this house church movement was blowing up in Iran. And the, the, uh, the Ayatollah and his, his cronies decided we've got to stop public enemy number one, the house church, okay? So they're threatened by people meeting in their houses and praying to Jesus, okay? That's, that's the enemy we face. And so they, they go on the offensive and they arrest 1,300 church leaders, house church leaders. And so this Pastor X who's been, who is being interviewed said, I started praying to God. God, I thought when there was persecution, your church grew. Why is the church shrinking under persecution? And you know what he said? He said, God said to me, it's because you've been making converts, not disciples. Hello. Right? go to the beach. I guess I'll skip and, right? It doesn't take much for a consumer person to say, I don't need God today. We need God. We need God. Just as much as those Afghanis fleeing to the mountains need God. We just are a little bit asleep. So some of you will remember me telling the story. Um, this, is, this is also, this is more of that story in the interview. I didn't realize it was the same people. So you remember a documentary called Sheep Among Wolves. There's actually two of them that were made. They're different. One focuses on the Church of Iran. This woman who, is, who trusted, and her story is a little bit of what's shared, amazing miraculous she she finds her husband under some amazing miraculous circumstances who happens to be a western pastor i think from america god tells him to marry her they get married and he says i'll marry you we're going to under the condition that you move back to america because this country is crazy you're going to die if you live here as a christian she wants to stay, but she submits, and, and she's willing to do that. So she moves to America. She continues. You see what I mean? It's a weird day, right? Um, but God, so they move, they move there. She continues through Zoom to minister house church leaders that she helps start. It, just, it gets to 5,000 at some point, okay? She says to her husband at some point, I'm depressed. And he says, Why? She says, because the church in America is under a satanic lullaby and I keep falling asleep. Now, if I was saying I keep falling asleep because of that lullaby, it wouldn't shock me a whole lot. But this is someone who's leading in a Middle Eastern country in the 
please. She's doing everything that God would have her do, and yet she senses the same lullaby. And she says, every time I wake myself back up, I feel like the lullaby is just going faster and faster. I've got to go back. And he's like, we're going to die. She's like, I've got to go back. And so they move back and pour into what God is doing there. Okay? Converts versus disciples. Do you see why we keep talking about the Bible says make disciples who make disciples? It's not about conversions. I mean, a disciple starts with a conversion, a life-changing experience when you're born into the Spirit, born from above, born again. Yes, that's when that happens. But conversion isn't the end. It's the beginning of, your, of that journey on this side of the cross, journey with Christ and, and jumping in with him in the mission with both feet. It's saying my life isn't about living for what I think is appropriate. Okay, so I always hate it when preachers preach before they ever read any scripture. So... Before I go any further, it actually connects pretty well with 18. Now, 18 is a long chapter, so um, there's not a lot of explanation you're going to get today, but you are going to get the scriptures. But I will make some connection, connection to connecting points, I believe, as God leads me to do that. So quick context, first three chapters of, Gen- of Revelation is Jesus and the church. Chapters 4 is the throne of God and the judgments of God, the three seals, the three trumpets, the three bowls. And that's supposed to take us through the end of the Great Tribulation. And at the great, end of the Great Tribulation, seven years, literal or figurative, it doesn't matter to me, Jesus shows back up and he begins he, the Battle of Armageddon where he shows up and the battle's over because he shows up. That's where we are. Now, what seven, last week 17 and this week 18 and a little bit of 19, what that does is it actually gives us more detail for 16. So you're going to see God judging Babylon and it's and like he's taking a while to say that because he's kind of like he's saying, you all need to wake up. You're swimming in water that is Babylonian water. Okay, now let me remind you about Babylon. Babel, Tower of Babel, Genesis 11, where they built a big pyramid, but instead of smooth sides, it's steps. Ziggurat is what they're called because they wanted to make a name for themselves. This is the people that God has said scatter and fill the earth, and they gathered and didn't. And so God says, I'm scrambling your languages, so you'll do what I told you to do in the first place because you're hard-hearted and hard-headed. Sounds like Southerners. And, and so they finally scatter because he makes it really hard to live together because nobody's speaking the same language. Or at least no, not all the groups are. So they, they finally scatter. Fast forward to um, 500 B.C. 500 B.C. we had Meshach and Abednego. Ezekiel, Jeremiah, prophets that were alive in those days. That's the time when King Nebuchadnezzar, king of the actual city Babylon, on the banks of the river Euphrates, invades and conquers Jerusalem, defeats the rest of the nation of Israel in that in 586 BC, and they march them off to Babylon, where they are in exile for 70 years. It's like God said, Israel, you're in time out for 70 years, okay? And yes, you have to walk there, and when you get back, there's no nation anymore. This is serious punishment, Okay? It's another 2,000 years before they get their nation back. More than 2,000 years. It's 23, 2,400 years before. Okay? That Babylon was a, a, another picture. Now, in the day, now fast forward from that 500 BC to 90, AD 95. So, about 600 years, the writing of Revelation. John is getting the vision. He's writing it down, and he's saying, okay. He's writing it down, and he's using code. He, he realizes God's using code for Rome, the city that is the capital of the Roman Empire. And he's saying, these, 
this city is another Babylon. That's why a lot of the things that are spoken about here happen in Rome, whether you're talking about the earthquakes, whether you're talking about ultimate defeat, which happened another 300 years later when the the barbarian destroyed Rome and basically took down the Roman Empire. That's the spirit of the age. It's the, the political, the geopolitical, social, economic, religious spirit of the age. And other than those who are in Christ, we're all sucked into that. And even those of us in Christ are oftentimes sucked into that. Okay? It's why we spend our money on things that don't matter. It's why we spend our time doing things that don't matter. Because we are sometimes sleepwalking. Okay? And the only thing that's keeping us sleepwalking even is that we sometimes show up and gather with other believers and we're reminded, oh yeah, through the fog of our spiritual, spiritual fog in our brain, we're going, oh yeah, I'm here for something bigger than the nine to five, right? But it's hard for us, and, and this is why persecution actually seems to be uh, a catalyst for explosion in the growth of the church because it doesn't make sense right it doesn't make sense that the church would grow when it's illegal to do it and you're risking your life to go it doesn't make sense to us americans to the western church because we don't understand what it's like to be a christian under those circumstances but go to afghanistan they've been living that way if you live in afghanistan that's all you know even under the 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 last 20 years under where the u.s has been there and actually held pretty much at peace within the cities even there, it's still been, they've been under the threat of persecution. It's just been more covert. And by the grace of God and because of our troops and our willingness to go there, yes, a whole generation has grown up. And they- They need that. They need to hear that because they want to stay and reach their uncles and aunts and and kids and nephews and nieces and grandparents and parents. Okay? But we have to wake up. We have to wake up from the slumber in which we are in. And I think it's probably worse in the South because we've got it so good here. I'm sorry. 18. Okay, after this. Okay. Scripture. After this, I saw another angel. John. He had great authority, because he's coming from the throne of God. Of course he's got authority. Um, Great authority, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. Okay, good. Um, I'll see, by his splendor. So I I don't want to read over that. I can't really elaborate other than to say an angel that comes down lit up so bright that I don't know if the sun is up or down. It doesn't seem to matter. We notice the light. That's how bright he is. He's like another sun coming down. Verse 2, with a mighty voice he shouts. So obviously these words matter, and they're authoritative. Fallen is Babylon, which should be great news. To, uh, fallen is Babylon the Great. She has become a dwelling place for demons. This is why. Dwelling place for demons. A haunt for every impure spirit. Think haunted. A haunt for every unclean bird. A haunt for every unclean and detestable animal. Here's why. For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. That's spiritual adulteries. That's spiritually opposed to God. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her, and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. Now, we're going to hear more about the kings and the merchants. Kings represent rulers, so rulers of nations. 
Merchants represent corporations and business leaders, those with great economic incentives in our world. And that doesn't mean that corporations are evil, but they are oftentimes run by greedy, evil people. verses which is really showing us God's going to judge uh, the, um, the whore then I, saw, then I heard another voice from heaven not an angel watch this this voice says come out of her my people this is clearly either Jesus or the father maybe they're saying it together come out of her that tells me that there are people that are, that are believers who are caught up in it, and that tells me there's some that haven't yet trusted Christ, and he's calling them out too because he's about to deal with Babylon, and he doesn't want them. And here's the two reasons he gives. So that, number reason one, so that you will not share in her sins, and the second reason, so that you will not receive any of her plagues. You see how, you just read scripture. It's all right here. I'm not telling you anything you can't read. It's right there, okay? You don't want to receive her plagues, her judgments. And then he says, Oh, and here's why those are, are going to be so bad, because here's how bad the sins were. Verse 5, for her sins, that's the sins of Babylon, the world in which we live, are piled up to heaven. And God has remembered her crimes. When I think of the piled up to heaven, I think of the Tower of Babel again. And that ultimately, if you look at all the sins of the world, all the sins that we as people find ourselves drawn to, we keep finding ourselves coming back to this idea is, I want to be on top of that mountain. I want it to be about me. I want people to bow to me. And I know we would never say that. And I know we would even think in our heads, we don't mean that. But when we pursue our, everything for our good at the expense of other good, then we're putting ourselves ahead of, we're not loving our neighbor as ourselves. We're loving our neighbors less than ourselves because we're loving ourselves more than our neighbor. And we are, we are disobeying the basic Christianity one-on-one. You got one job, love people, right? And he's saying, I don't want you to do that. Come out of Babylon. Folks, that means we need to be living simpler lives. It means we need to be forsaking the busyness of this world is us up into we we come home and we and we oh how was your day i am worn out i was so busy today what'd you get done i don't feel like i got anything done but boy was i busy yeah that's what the enemy wants to do keep us so busy that we don't get anything done that really matters verse six give back to her that is to babylon as she has given pay her back double for what she has done pour her a double portion from her own cup give her as much torment and grief as the glory and luxury she gave herself in her heart she boasts I sit enthroned as a queen. I'm not a widow. The hubris in that arrogance, therefore, in one day, her plagues will overtake her. Her plagues will overtake her. See how God uses evil to judge evil? Her plagues will overtake her. Death, mourning, and famine. She will be consumed by fire, for mighty is the Lord God who judges her. Okay? Woe is us. So now we're going to move from God's judgment, verses 1 through 8, to the, the world's response, their lament to the destruction of Babylon. So this is going to take us through uh, verse uh, 19. So three groups. He's going to say basically the same thing three different ways. From the perspective of the kings, that's the world leaders. From the perspective of the merchants, that's the corporations and business leaders. And from 
excuse me, the perfection of uh, the perspective of the uh, seafarers, the, the sailors, sea, sea captains. That is, I, I, I take that as that's just the ordinary worker uh, who works for these businesses. The earth who committed adultery with her, again, figurative language to say there's Babylon is, is, they're getting from Babylon what they want and it's costing them and Babylon's getting what Babylon wants, and it's costing her. So here, here's the other way I would say it. This is the application for you and me. So, so the world is trying to give you something that costs you, okay? You got to pay for it. What the world is offering and tempting you with, it's still asking you to pay for And it's inferior to what God offers you that's more satisfying and free. What God offers you and I is abundant life here and now and hereafter. What the world offers you is a shadow of that and it's going to cost you and it won't last. But because of the way the world offers it and because it requires faith to see past that to what really lasts, we fall for it over and over and over. That's going to have, why the kings are going to these sailors are going to lament. Here's what they say. Um, uh, committed adultery with her and shared her luxury. See the smoke of her burning. They will weep and mourn over her. So locked down on this, but this is what I think is happening. Because remember, we have the, the Antichrist, who's the one world government. to do. So think of those as three things. We have Antichrist and his agenda, and he's using the one world government to do that. You have the false prophet and his agenda, and he's using a a worldwide religion to manipulate people. And they're kind of working together, but then there's this biggest, the biggest picture, which is this, this picture of the world in which we live in, the ways of the world, which is the spirit of the age, which is Babylon. And if you remember from last week, the picture, the imagery was the horse sitting on top of the beast indicating an alliance where the, where the whore had some, had some influence, more than some influence. She's riding the beast. But remember at the end of 17, the beast destroys her. This is how God judges her, and we're getting the details in chapter 18. Okay, So evil destroys evil because God has made it so. The, laws of, the spiritual laws of good and evil, God has made a way for evil to ultimately be judged. We've, we see it every time a famine happens. We see it every time a world leader is knocked off. We see it every time things in our world happen because those are the birth pangs of what will be the great tribulation. And as bad as it looks right now, it's going to get worse. Well, I thought your series was called The Best is Yet to Come. Yes, it is. But it's going to get worse before it gets better. Unless, and even if, you know Christ. The future is bright even if the day is dark. We have to remember that and decide, am I going to believe that and live as if that were true or am I going to wring my hands as if God doesn't know that this is happening? Whoa, woe to you. I'm sorry, verse 10. Terrified at her torment, they, that is the kings of the earth, will stand far off. Notice how they
because they care about her. They're crying out because of their loss. They, they stand far off and cry, Whoa, woe to you, great city, you mighty city of Babylon. Not so mighty anymore. In one hour, your doom has come. Number two, the, the, the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her because why? No one buys their cargoes, cargoes of gold, silver, precious stones, and pearls. And it just lists all of these wealthy things that we could say, we could add in there. iPhones and cars and expensive clothing and Gucci and all, and all these decks. And then look how it ends. Wheat, cattle, and sheep, horses, and carriages. Oh, and humans sold as slaves. Remember the Taliban, what they're doing with young girls? Verse 14, they will say, the fruit you longed for is gone from you. All your luxury and splendor have vanished, never to be recovered. The merchants who sold these things and gained their wealth from her will stand far off, terrified at her torment. They will weep and, and mourn and cry out, woe, woe to you, the great city, dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. In one hour, such great wealth has been wrought, brought to ruin. That's the second time, in one hour. What does that mean? in no time, right? In the scheme of eternity, an hour is nothing. It's not even a second. Look at how quick, after $1 trillion of U.S. investment over 20 years, and in a week, the Taliban is back in control when we leave. Okay? Some of that you could say is, you could give your whole list of what you don't like about the government and their way they do things. And some of that's part of the spiritual battle that is at hand in that area, okay? Let's not underestimate our true enemy, okay? Our government is not our enemy, right? The focus of this judgment is on the beast and the false prophet and on the whore at this point. The beast and the false prophet, they're gonna fall soon, maybe next week. Well, not even literally, maybe next week, okay? But in the sermon next week, okay, Lord willing. And, and without spending any more time than I have to say, let's not get so comfortable to, to think, well, we're not Afghanistan, we're America. That couldn't happen here, all right? Every sea captain and all who travel by ship the sailors and all who earn their living from the sea will stand far off associated with that judgment. When they see the smoke of her burning, they will exclaim, was there ever a city like the great city, like this great city? They will throw dust on their heads and, and with weeping and mourning cry out, sound familiar? Woe, woe to you, great city, where all who had ships on the sea became rich through her wealth. You see how they mourn what they're going to lose? They're not mourning Babylon the system, they're, they're mourning the fact that they're going to lose all of their, their riches. In one hour, she has been brought to ruin. Now, at this point, the third section, and the third section is the angels singing, okay? And, and they're going to give us some more perspective on this, okay? So think heavenly words here. Rejoice over her, you heavens. Rejoice. Settle down, settle down. Rejoice, apostles and prophets, for God has judged her, that is the whore, with the judgment she you. In other words, she's getting the full wrath of God. And that should move us to sing praises to a holy God, not just a merciful God. Verse 21, then, the, then a mighty angel picked up a boulder the size of a large millstone 
and threw it into the sea and said, with such violence, the great city of Babylon will be thrown down, never to be found again. Now notice two things. One, if you remember back at the end of chapter 16, it said that the Lord sent an earthquake and the city of Babylon, which could be a literal city, but also the, again, this, um, this ideology, this mindset, was shattered into three sections. That's how powerful it was. The Babylon became three chunks of debris. But also notice how many times the word never is shown up to describe the fall of Babylon. It's done. It's over. It's, there's no more. With such violence, okay, never to be found again. Verse 22. The music of harpists and musicians, pipers and trumpeters will never be heard in you again. No worker of any trade will ever be found in you again. The sound of a millstone will never be heard in you again. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again. The voice of bridegroom and bride will never be heard in you again. Your merchants were the world's important people. By your magic spell and all the nations were led astray by all by that magic the enemy Babylon has power okay the enemy has power now he can only use it you know he, he is a lion but he is on a leash right he he has to submit to the Lord ultimately the Lord can and does stop a lot of the things he wants to do verse 24 and this is happening today in her that is in Babylon was found the blood of prophets and of God's holy people of all who have been slaughtered on the earth. Flashback to chapter 17, verse 6. This is describing Babylon as well. I saw that the woman, that's the whore, that's Babylon, I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of God's, those who bore testimony to Jesus. Okay, that's happening in Afghanistan today. It's not just happening in Afghanistan. It's happening there today, okay? So I want to I share just a couple of other thoughts, and then I'm done. These are some from the interview. Okay, so as we think about the future's bright, even though the day is dark, we need to recognize that God is working in the darkness. When is it easiest to see a light? When it's dark. And when you look at the sky at night and it's a clear night, what are your eyes drawn to when you look at the heavens? Stars, the moon right? You see light. You're drawn to the light. You don't really care about the darkness except that it makes a great backdrop for that light. It's beautiful, right? In some cases, we see a constellation. So not only do we see light, we see organized light. We see divinely created light. For what? So that we could enjoy it and be reminded that all of this was created with us in mind. And so what are you living for? Right? We talked about it last week. What city are you living for? Are you living for the city of Babylon? Are you living for the new Jerusalem? And we're going to get to see the new Jerusalem. We're going to get to see it as we see the new heaven and the new earth in chapters 21 and 22. It's coming. The best is yet to come. And we will be there. We'll get to experience forever. Our lives, our itsy bitsy little lives is a drop of time in the ocean of eternity. Oh my goodness, folks. Let's quit living for the drop. Quit living for the drop. It doesn't matter. It matters, except that it doesn't matter. We live as if it's all there is. We take the drop and we go, oh, it's all about this. And God goes, no, it's about that. It's what's coming. But yes, it matters in that what you do with God here now is what matters. Let me just read a few quotes and we'll close. 
Okay, I told you about the satanic love of Bywart. And I, asked, and I told you that when he prayed, why, why are these converts being arrested? Why are these people being arrested? Why? He says, because you, you've been making converts, not disciples. We have to make disciples. We have to, every, it's everybody's job. There's not one Christian who can say, it's not my job to make disciples. That's somebody else's job. You're wrong. You're reading your Bible. Okay, just go to Matthew 28 and read 16 to the end and you will get a very clear description of what it means to make disciples, who that's supposed to be, who that's for, and how we do it. It's all there. And let me just say, to tell you how weighty those words are, those were Jesus' last words. Okay, He's, he can say anything he wants to his disciples. And what does he say? Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Okay, that means your nation and the nations all around the world. It means, yes, the, the armpits of the world that are Haiti and Afghanistan. The next... Sorry, we've been working next to each other for a year. I don't know your name. I'm so sorry. Can, we, can I? Right? Um, I told you about the Zoom meeting. This is a, there's, there's another guy in the inner who represents um, one of the ministries that's in conjunction with Pastor, P, Pastor X. Um, his name's Steve. I can't remember his last name. And he said, the only way to change a nation is through discipleship. You're not going to change the nation through converts. You're not going to change the nation through putting Christians in public office. Okay, you might make some changes, but if you want to change the world, it's got to happen upstream of politics. It's got to happen in, at dinner tables and breakfast tables. It's got to happen in the den. It's got to happen in those places where you gather with your family and your friends, where you invite other people into your lives and say, we're going to follow Jesus and we're going to love our neighbors ourselves. And we're going to figure out how to do that really well right where we are now. And then when God sends us somewhere else, we're going to do it there too. We have to define what does it mean to be a mature Christian, he said. This is all pastor, back to Pastor X. He said, how do we define, are we defining a mature Christian by how many years they've been a Christian? No. He said, because you've got mature Christians in Afghanistan and Iran, and they've only been Christians for a year or two. So how are they defined as mature? It's because they obey the words of Christ. They just they just aren't willing to compromise. If he says do this, it might cost me my life. I'm going to do this anyway. They literally go into their day and they say goodbye to their husband or wife. And they say, I love you. I may not see you at the end of the day, but I'll see you on the other side. Every day, they know they could go. And the church explodes even as people die and are arrested. Why? Because they obey the words of Christ. this and pray uh, just realizing there's spiritual warfare that's, that's happening. I, we could pray those for ourselves too except that we're not running for the hills. Praise the Lord we're not having to do that. Which means we have time, energy, and bandwidth to help those who are. 
okay? Through our prayers, through our giving, and I think through our going. And some of us need to... It might be Pakistan. Get your burkas. If God were to call you to go somewhere like that, would you go? Ask yourself that. Would I be willing to go? Don't tell me all the reasons why you shouldn't go. Okay? If God... then doesn't that say something about your relationship with the Lord? Doesn't it say that while he loves me unconditionally and infinitely, I don't love him that way ever? And then what do you do with that, right? Well, probably most of us would have a hard time saying yes to something like that. It's so far out of our box. And part of that is the fault of the church, and part of that is because our hearts are not zealous for the Lord, and therefore we're not zealous for the things that are zealous to, that he's zealous for. And yet, we're supposed to live for the zeal of the Lord. We're supposed to be enthusiastic about what he is enthusiastic about. We're supposed to live for the mission. It's about the mission. My military folks, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? That's what they say. It's about the mission. And yes, people are dying along the way. We take care of them, but it's about the mission. We carry out the mission, life and death. Why? Because the mission matters. Well, this mission matters way more than any military mission. We've got to wake up. And I